0: Amen. This morning, I uh, just kind of wanted to continue in something that we've been sharing a little bit over time, uh, really the theme is generation to generation, uh, gen to gen, and you know, that's the short version. And uh, what we want to just share today, something that was on my heart uh, that I've been wanting to share for a little bit, especially to parents or grandparents or uh, mentors or uh, if you're a teacher, coach, influencer, uh, but especially parents today, wanted to just share uh, something that was on my heart. How many know as parents... Um, You know, we do our best to raise our kids, right? And if we could have the house lights on a little bit, that'd be great. Uh, We do our best to uh, raise our kids, right? You got to protect them. You got to make sure they're eating healthy, right? How many, um, let me see your hand. If you were not allowed to have junk cereal growing up, how many know what junk cereal is? The sugar-coated, air-inflated, right? The food-colored cereal, right? How many, uh, your parents were super healthy and you ate pine cones, Anybody? Okay. All right. And, and you know, you went to your, your store to your mom, begging her. You know, but she always gave you that choice. It's bran or it's bran, right? How many of your parents like that? Okay. But amen. So how many? Let me just see your hand in real quick. You you ate junk cereal. Anybody? You were allowed to do that. Anybody? Okay. How many were not allowed to eat junk cereal? Right? You weren't allowed to do that. All right. So this morning, let's just call junk cereal for what it is: delicious. Okay. <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. Delicious, so whether it's the marshmallows or the fake little cookies or the candy bar cereal, whatever, I mean it's delicious, are we right? Okay, we have to agree about that. And your parents can't help that you can try to keep them from it but when they get older, they're going down that aisle and they're gonna see the very first thing that jumps out in them is eat the junk, right? So anyways, but, uh, I actually just recently feel, felt guilty about it because I did have a bowl of junk cereal recently and uh, It was great. I loved it. It was actually before church a couple weeks ago, and I just preached my, my best message, uh, I think, that day. Uh, uh, it was really good, but let's just call it for what it is delicious, right? Okay, let's just get that out of the way. But as a parent, you know, there's so many things that uh, are so important that we're doing, and, and sometimes you can get so overwhelmed by what you're supposed to be doing, and how do I do this? How do I do that? It becomes overwhelming. But I'm so thankful today that God's word guides us and leads us into raising good kids, right? Amen, godly kids. And how many of that's our goal, right? Is to raise a godly seed. I just want to um, open up with 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, but really the heart and core of what I'm going to be sharing today is taken out of 1 Timothy. Uh, Let me just read and and we'll open up with 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. So if you have your device, just click over there in your Bible. I'm reading out of the the NIV. Um, And so in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, I love this. Um, Paul is addressing Timothy directly and just says these encouraging words. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother. It was alive in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And he names them because he knew them personally. And he said, I am persuaded and I'm confident that that faith that was in them now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which was given to you through the laying on of my hands. He says, I am confident that the genuine, non hypocritical faith that was in your family dwells in you. And then he begins to give him instruction in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. He gives them instruction on how you are to teach other people. So there's four generations listed here. First of all, your grandmother, your mother in you, and then other people that you're going to raise up. Amen. How many know it's not just about reaching uh, the next generation or this generation or the next generation? It's a multiple generations. Amen. But as a parent right now, it's really that uh, your responsibility to raise children I mean, the fear and admonition of the Lord to raise a a generation that will praise God. So I want to just preach a few moments on uh, passing faith on. I think it's so, so important that we talk about this today, passing faith on. You know, there's been a lot of things passed down to you from your family, but one of the most important things that can be passed down is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? That's the most important thing that can be passed down to one a child, any child, is the faith of Jesus Christ, amen. And I'm so uh, thankful for, really, um, what has been passed down to me. And uh, this last week, my uh, great uncle Ben Crandall uh, passed away, went home to be with the Lord 98 years young, and was one of the pastors, towards the end of his life, was one of the pastors there and uh, oversight at um, Times Square Church in New York City, and uh, preached, I don't know, just up until a few years ago, I think, and uh, tremendous um, heritage in the Lord. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for... um, the things that i've learned from people in this church that uh, have have really been here for a long time and been so instrumental in my life and and just so many people have just shaped that and mentored and, and spoken to my life, and their life has just been such an example to me, and I'm so thankful for that today. But Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's reminding him of something. He's saying, this thing is generational, and the important thing is, is that we're passing faith on. The faith that was in your grandmother, she must have did a great job because it was in your mother, and your mother must have did a good job because it's in you, and and you're doing a good job because now you're the pastor there at Ephesus, and you know, you're raised up a generation of godly people how many know that's what faith is faith is that generational seed amen and so we, we notice this that there's an inheritance right so inheritance usually is a property or money or objects that come when people die and they will it to somebody else turn it over to another person many times family uh, maybe charities or whatever that's an inheritance but there's another word that we goes along with this that Paul is talking about here that we want to talk about today uh, is the heritage. The heritage is really kind of it comes through birth. It's something that you would kind of get through birth. And so a lot of times through cultures, uh, of groups of people, there's the heritages, right? So there's languages and there's uh, places and, and buildings and there's uh, traditions that are passed down. And these are things that were started in the past and uh, but still today have historical historical significance that's what heritage is and that's what faith is and faith can be passed on to other people can you believe do you believe that can you say amen? So it can be uh, passed on to other people. And so this is so important. This is what Paul is saying is that as a, uh, Paul refers to Timothy as his spiritual son. And so he's saying as a spiritual son, he's saying, look, this thing was passed down to you through your family. And now as a spiritual father, I'm passing it down to you. And then you're going to pass it on to other people. How many know that's the way the Lord works, right? Generation to generation. And so I believe it's so important to understand that parents really uh, have this, uh, parenting really involves leaving a faith in a, your children that they know that God can and will empower them to do what he wants them to do, to, to give them this deep-seated confidence in the Lord, that their trust can be in the Lord. I believe that with all my heart, amen. And uh, that's why it's important that we have said here at our church is that we don't just tell the next generation to step up, but we show them the way. I mean, know that's important, but we show them the way, amen, in our life, in our actions, in our our, uh, testimony, in our example. And so I think it's important to understand that as parents that we leave uh, a planted seed. That's really what it is. You you plant seeds when your children are there, but ultimately you're leaving planted seeds. You're leaving seeds that will grow and flourish in their life, in time, over time, so that they can plant seeds in other people. Um, We're planting hope and possibility in our children. I think that's important, isn't it? That we plant hope and possibility, amen, in the hearts of our kids. Some of you are here today that you grew up in a very discouraging, very hopeless household and situation and you didn't have much to look forward to and so your view of life and your take on uh, things of life and your purpose in life was skewed because it really wasn't, uh, somebody didn't teach you about hope and didn't teach you about possibility and especially didn't come through the Lord. Amen. Through godly teaching. Amen. So uh, it's very important that we teach our children um, really God's truth, right? God's ways, God's purposes. I really believe that. And I also believe that one of the things we do is that parents can actually leave a God-sized dream in the hearts of their children. Amen. That's what Abraham did, didn't he? I said, that's what Abraham did when God promised him to be the father of many nations and promised him this thing that was way bigger than him. He left that in the hearts of his children, didn't he? And Isaac and Jacob, and they left it in the hearts of their children. And, and so on and so forth and so uh, I think that's so important isn't it but you know uh, uh, you know we we know this and if you've been parenting for a day you understand or mentoring for a day you know that children uh, really come with a lot of things children come with a deep need and a, a vacuum to be parented to be mentored to be coached to be instructed uh, children come with that you know deep need in their lives to be parented don't they but and and, and it doesn't really matter what what type of child you have or or child we're talking about uh, they all come with challenges how many know you can say well uh, the pregnancy was easy they were a good baby they didn't cry much they were pleasant uh, you know they weren't picky with their food they were the uh, great in sports and good but how many know even that child's gonna have challenges so along with the challenges i believe that each child not only has challenges but each child has potential Each child has potential, and it's our job as parents to really bring that out and to see that at early age and to really bring that and point them in the direction, amen, that they need to go in their life. How many believe that, right? Train up a child in the way that they should go when they're old. They won't depart from it. That's what it means. But before we get into really passing faith on today, I just want to give you a few ingredients about parenting that really help as we go through this, uh, the core of this lesson and really uh, the sermon today. And that is just some ingredients on uh, passing faith on. Number one, God's grace. How many know God graces you to be a parent, a mentor, God graces you to be a grandparent? But you gotta lean into that grace, and you need to really walk in that grace uh, as a parent. Uh, Number two, act in love. I think it's important that you, uh, in everything you do, discipline, uh, in teaching, instruction, how many know you act in love, right? Anybody, how many know that's important? Um, I believe it's important to take it seriously. Now this is funny because a lot of parents say, what do you mean take it seriously? I'm a parent, I have to take it serious. I'm not talking about being intense, over intense, and being a drill sergeant. Some people think that's taking it serious. No, taking it seriously means is that every moment, every stage they're in, you're trying to develop and teach and instruct and love, right? You're taking it serious. You take your responsibility serious. You're not this parent that's just gonna pack your bags and leave the house and move on to another family. Come on somebody, you take it serious. If you, if you, you know, get somebody pregnant and they have a child, that's your child. How many know you need to take it seriously? You need to, you need to support that child. You need to raise that child. Come on. Anybody, you need to take it serious. And so a lot of people are like, what do you mean take it serious? I mean, I'm in the house full of kids. I'm going crazy. What do you mean? You need to take it serious. Now, a lot of times people, uh, parents do this. We can't wait until they're out of diapers. Now, you know, we can't wait till they're walking, can't uh, out of the diapers, we can't wait until they do this, we can't wait till this, can't wait till they're out of the house, can't wait. Listen, enjoy every season, take every moment in that season to train, instruct, and plan and develop, amen, your children in the fear and admission of the Lord, right? And so I believe also that I'm just a little throw this thing out here that a healthy family or the health of a family is to allow for failure. Anybody? That's a healthy family, isn't it? No, a healthy family's perfect. No, they're not. No, they're not. A healthy family allows for, allows for failure. Why? Because some of you grew up in a home that failure was final. And listen, you need to grow up and teach your children that failure is not final. And when you grow up in a house or you teach your kids that failure is not final, what happens is, is that they begin to open their heart and trust you more and then that you get more accomplished in life and they see the bigger picture in life because they know that there's room for failure. I mean, if you, if you grow up in a home that failure is final, you will raise in completely insecure and, uh, 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 tremendously insecure children right and so you got to let them know that failure is not final in our home it's part of a healthy family amen how many how many know that because uh, parents that uh, i can guarantee the parents don't, don't allow failure in their children fail in their life all the time and they're, and they're super hard on themselves and strict on themselves and condemning themselves because they don't understand the process of success and failure in their life. But let's go back to uh, our scripture here uh, and get back in, into this message. Uh, 1 Timothy, if you go back to 1 Timothy, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a couple things with you, a few things with you, and I'm going to take it right from 1 Timothy, okay? So we're going to go back to 1 Timothy And now Paul is addressing Timothy, and he's calling him his spiritual son. uh, son. And one of the things we uh, see here is that there's six areas that Paul was teaching and developing in Timothy. There were faith, prayer, fellowship, godliness, honor, and generosity. Don't worry, I'm coming back to that, all right? You guys are like, "Ah, I can't do that, Right. All right, we're gonna get back to that. So I wanna share those things with you today on the six crucible things that we need to pass on to the next generation, amen? So six crucible things, really important things, integral things that we need to pass on to the next generation, amen, passing faith on. The first thing, the very important thing as we see it right here directly is faith. You've gotta pass faith on, amen, come on, right? You knew it was coming, it's in the title, come on. I mean, we're passing our faith on to the next generation. Amen. And so uh, one of the things that's important to understand is that, uh, well, let's just read chapter 1, verse 19. Chapter 1, verse 19, part of it says this. He's encouraging Timothy and says that you need to hold on to faith and a good conscience. He said, it's in your grandmother, it was in your, in your mother, it's in you, but you've got to hold on to it. You've got, it's got to be something that just becomes so precious to you and something that you just don't take for granted. You've got to hold on to faith and a good conscience. I love what Dr. Richard Hilton wrote in his book, From Generation to Generation, somewhere around 2014, he wrote this, and or 2015, he wrote this. He said, the progression of some children about their fathers is this, as a child, my dad knows everything. Around the age of 12, my dad knows more than most, right? By 16, my friends know more than my dad. At age 20, I know more than my dad. And in your 30s, my dad knows more than most. But by the time you're 40, my dad knows everything, Amen. How many have ever been there? You kind of feel that way. I know more. My friends know more, everything. And then as you get older, it's like, wow, maybe my dad was on to something, right? Amen. But it's important that we teach faith and pass faith on because the next generation is impacted by what we do, not just by what we say. It's important to teach, isn't it? The Bible exclusively, I mean, talks about it over and over again, teach your children, teach your children, instruct them. I mean, all Proverbs is about Solomon uh, giving instruction to his son Rehoboam who would take the throne and how important it was and, and all those things. It's so important. But the next generation truly is impacted by what we do rather or more than what we say. And so one of the things that we can be certain of when it comes to the next generation is that our children are going to see your faith before they believe in it. Children are going to see your faith as, as a, a, a child. You see it in your mom and your dad or your parent or, or grandparents. You see faith there. You see that. They walk with the Lord. They're praying. They're going to church. They're reading their Bible. They're telling other people about Jesus. They're going on mission trips. You see it before you believe it. How many have seen it in your parents or grandparents or a mentor? Come on, before you believed in it, right? And so you see it before you believe it. That's why it's important that we understand this faith element that can be passed on. Amen. And so I believe that it's important that understand that we teach it, right? And we have to live it, but the Holy Spirit imparts it. So as we live it and teach it, the Holy Spirit imparts it. That's what happens when we cooperate with the Lord and walk with the Lord, he does his part. Aren't you thankful that God's doing his part in your kids, amen, and has done his part, amen. And so I believe that we can only impart our knowledge, we can only impart values through relationships. It's so important that it's not just sitting your kids down and going through these Bible lessons and telling, okay, you listen to me, hear the rules, right? Go we'll go over the house rules. How many, how many have kids that you feel like you have to go over house rules every single day, right? Take off your shoes, flush the toilet, put the seat down, clean the sink. I mean, I mean you feel like that, right? But there's something about, hey man, when we're talking about godliness and passing our faith on, is that it's really through relationships. I mean, you can, this is why some people who grow up in a dysfunctional home will attach themselves to somebody like a coach or a drill sergeant or uh, somebody like that or a mentor. They'll attach themselves because they have this relationship with them. Come on. Somebody took time and saw the value in me and really invested in me. And so it's through relationships. See, you share what you know through teaching, but you share who you are in relationships. One of the things especially about leadership uh, that holds true in parenting and uh, especially in leadership, you can't pass on the baton, you can't pass the baton until you pass on faith. And that's what Paul is teaching here is that you've got to pass on faith to other people, amen. And I believe that faith is what you believe. More importantly, uh, it's what is established in the word of God. So faith is what you believe, right? But faith is also what has been written and established in the word of God. When you say that I, you know, I believe, right? We say I'm teaching my kids what I believe, I'm teaching them whatever. How many know something better than that is what already has been established, the word of God? So it's important to teach your kids what you believe. That's really important, right? We don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this. This is why we do, I believe this, I believe this. But more, more than that, we're teaching them something that's already established that is the word of God. It is important that you teach these theological and doctrinal principles to your children that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, that he made male and female, come on. Amen, marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen, That the preciousness of life. I mean, we're teaching our kids these things, Not because because this is our truth it's because it is the truth the written truth the established truth and we're pointing them in the way that's already been established we're pointing them in the direction the path not that i want them to go but god has intended for them to travel amen so that's what's important it's, it is important oh i believe this i believe that but more importantly it's we it's important that we teach them what's been established amen and so the next generation will see our faith in our focus. Whatever our focus is, that's kind of where our faith will be. And they see that. The second thing I want to bring out is not only is it important to, uh, to talk about faith and we pass on faith, but how many know we need to pass on prayer? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he said this, Therefore, I want the men everywhere, I want everybody to pray, to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubt. We're fighting and angry. Amen. And obviously, this was an issue going on in the church. We don't have time to talk about it, but this is his heart. Amen. Therefore, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands and pray. Jesus said, men ought always pray and not faint. Amen. So how many know you got to teach the next generation or your children prayer? Anybody? Anybody? Teaching prayer. You know where I learned prayer? I watched it in my parents. I watched it in my grandparents. I watched it in uh, the elders of the church and relatives and people. I just watched it in other people's lives. I watched them pray. I don't know about you, but uh, the person that I just, uh, every time I think of just the consistency and the faithfulness to prayer that has taught me so much about prayer is my dad and also Brother Rick. I mean, th- this guy, when I was a young kid, right, we had church over across town. I remember getting up early and and there was Brother Rick and my dad, a lot of times it was just the two of them praying at six and seven in the morning, amen, at the church every day. It impacted me, had a way of just bringing, being such an example to me. And so a lot of times when I'm pacing the floor or I'm praying or I get up in the morning, I think of my parents, I think of the, some of the elders I've seen, some of the other mentors in my life. Why? Because they showed me prayer is so essential in my life, Amen. Amen? Why? Because prayer is the connection to my creator, my provider, my life giver. So when you teach your children the importance of prayer, not only in your life, but teach them to pray, pray with them, have them pray as well. Prayer is that connection to their creator, provider, and life giver, amen, and so uh, really our hope is that our children stay connected to the Lord because of me, that's my hope, is that my kids stay connected to the Lord because of me. Now, kids will know God through their parents, especially when they're young. You know, you just know God through your parents, right? They take you to church, children's ministry, this, this, and this, and talk about the Lord, right? But how many know our desire is is that they'll stay connected to the Lord for the rest of their life because of you, Because you were that guide, you were that example, you were that teacher, you were that instructor. You let them know how significant and imperative prayer was in the life of a believer. Amen. Someone said this, that lack of intercessory prayer for the next generation causes a delay in spiritual maturity. If a lot of people think that there's spiritual maturity in this generation and they don't really respect God and honor his house and love the Lord. Well, maybe we're not praying for the next generation like we should. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul said this, My dear children of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. I mean, Paul prayed. That word there, travail, is is connected. Obviously, we think of childbirth and the, the pains that go through that and the travail there. He's saying this is what prayer is like. This is what intercessory prayer is like. Come on, it's consistent, persistent, mixed with faith. It's just intercessory prayer, right? Come on. I mean, it's important to pray for your children. Two people, that's amazing. You're going to have awesome kids. It's important to pray for your children. It's important to pray over your children. It's important for your children to pray in front of you, for the family and for their needs, to hear them pray, teach them to pray, to know that they're the connection to their creator, to their provider, to their life giver, that that, that, that prayer in their life has to be like breathing to a Christian. It's imperative that you teach them and pass that truth onto them amen see one of the things i love about jesus is that when he was on the earth there's a a tremendous picture of prayer here and what happens with children when jesus cleansed the temple right in matthew 21 when jesus cleansed the temple and he said what my house shall be called a house of prayer what happened immediately the bible says children came in to the house of god and they began to worship and sing and celebrate amen Think about it. When God begins to clean house, or when God dedicates his house of prayer, the first audience he really wants is children. Come on. We, shouldn't, we shouldn't try to keep kids out. Well, it's, it's, all, it's for adults, you know. Well, when you're older, you can pray. No, you teach them from a young child. Amen. Amen. When they get in trouble, come on, when they're afraid. You teach them to call upon the name of the Lord. You, call, you teach them that you have an anchor in prayer. You have a, a connection with God in prayer. The moment you pray, God hears you. Teach them that at a young age. How many know that's faith that we pass on? Amen. Amen. The third thing is we've, we pass on fellowship. In chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said, Teach people how to conduct themselves in the house of God. Fellowship is so important. And the house of God is where we connect with each other. That's the primary place. Yeah, we do it in the store and in life groups and activities and events. But the primary place where we connect as believers is the house of God. Is that correct? So that's where our connection is. Why? We're here today. We're connecting today. We're all here. We're connecting in the house of God. So a lot of times the love for the house of God goes along with the love of the people of God. Amen? Teach your children about the importance of fellowship. So give your children the value of Christian relationships. And give your children the sense of selecting the right company. How many know it's important to teach your children to make right choices about right people? It's important to teach your children (laughs) to make right choices about wrong people. They got to make right choices about wrong people, period. Amen. How many have seen it in your own family? Amen. That Their life was just absolutely a train wreck because they got in with the wrong crowd. And they didn't know any better. Oh, I just kind of went with the crowd. I just kind of did this. No, give them that sense. But also, with that, amen, not just to avoid things but, and make those right choices, but teach them the value of Christian fellowship. It's important that you connect with people, Christians in your school. It's important that you connect with people in your youth group and at your church. It's important, isn't it? Amen. So teach them those things. So one of the best blessings that we can give our children is the love for house of God. Amen. Love for God's house. I love being in church. I've been in church for a long, long time. I might have been born on a Saturday and in church on Sunday. I mean, that's how much I've been in church. I was just raised in church. Amen. We were in church so much, amen, that uh, we just, you know, I have, you know, just that uh, place in, in uh, you know, the pew and the seat, amen, as a kid. That was my place. I just knew it. And I have so many wonderful memories about that. But there's something deeper about memories in the house of God. There is a, a loyalty and a value of the house of God in my life. So whether I go overseas or whether I go to another state, I feel like I need to be in church with the people of God. Why? Because my connection with, amen, with people, the people of God is in the house of God. Let me move on here, amen. And Jesus had a love for God's house, Jesus had a love for God's people, didn't he? He absolutely loved God's house. I believe Jesus loved church. <laughs> I'm going to uh, his definition of church at that time. It's changed over the years but you get where I'm going with that. Amen. And so, One of the things uh, it's important about this teaching your children is teach your children to take inventory of the messages and and you need to really check your heart and, and say what are the messages I'm giving my children about church? What are the messages and what are the things I'm saying about the leaders of the church and and church itself? A lot of People have bad experiences and concepts and perceptions about church because they were told church is this, it's that, the leaders are about money, they're corrupt. How many know that's a bad example, right? And it's terrible and it's sad that people have been hurt, people have been disappointed and disillusioned by church leaders and the church, I get it. But teach your children, amen, the importance of church, amen, and the house of God. Amen. The fourth thing that may surprise you is to teach the next generation. One of the things that are so crucial is to teach them godliness. Pass on godliness to the next generation. Pass on godliness to your children. In chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Godliness, or godly, is mentioned almost a dozen times in First and 2 Timothy. This is so important when we're talking about training our children, amen, or the next generation, godliness. I didn't think about this. I thought, well, they probably need to learn how to do the dishes, take out the trash before godliness. I mean, I just thought, okay, well, but it's important, isn't it? It's important. Let me explain that. Amen. Parents have the responsibility to establish the priority of godly living in the hearts of their children. Now, you may be thinking that word godliness, that means, oh, it's, it's bad because it means holiness and rules. And listen, if godliness means rules and strict rules and church rules to you, then you're, you have a different view of who God is. I mean, you're in the right library, but you're in the wrong section. You you just don't really understand who God is. Come on, somebody. If godliness to you is all about following rules and behaving myself, and listen, if it's all about that, you have a wrong view of who God is himself and the will that God has for us, amen, as his people to live holy, amen? All right, so godliness really is this. It's a hunger for God's word. It's shaping your will to obey God's word. That's what godliness is. Godliness is, is spiritual disciplines. And you know, spiritual disciplines develop godliness. Did you know that? I said spiritual disciplines develop godliness. A lot of people think there's no spiritual disciplines, there's no discipline. And now that I'm saved, it's just like I just do whatever, float around. There's no, I just kind of worship when I feel like it, live right when I when it's convenient. How many know there's spiritual disciplines in Christianity? And being godly has everything to do with spiritual disciplines. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self control controlling one's self one's mind one's thoughts one's actions controlling oneself come on somebody amen so godliness is important and you know godliness has two words to it in the Bible and Paul teaches these things in first and second timothy that is modesty and moderation now there you go again your mind's starting to wander to the abuses you've heard and seen but listen it's in the scriptures and that's what self-discipline is all about come on somebody spiritual disciplines and godliness is about Modesty and moderation. Has nothing to do, I'm going to blow your mind. Has nothing to do with dress. Has everything to do with the heart. Amen. All right, we'll save that one for Sunday. Just wanted to prime the pump a little bit, get you there, and then when I preach about it, you'll be ready to say amen better. All right, so. it's really the benefits of spiritual disciplines are spiritual strength. They're actually the strength in your life as a spiritual person, a Christian, these spiritual disciplines that you have. They actually become a strength. Now, it's an internal, internal strength. It's not an exterior appearance before man. Come on. It's an internal, internal strength. It's a spiritual strength. Amen. That's why Paul prayed for the church and he said that you would be strengthened in the inner man. With all spiritual strength, all spiritual might, that your spiritual man will be strengthened and so come under the spiritual disciplines. And so the motive for godliness is not works that exchange for salvation. Okay, that's not even in the Bible. That teaching isn't even biblical. It's not the motive for godliness in our hearts and our lives is the obedience, right? It is this, it's obedience out of a heartfelt experience by God's amazing grace, That's why we obey. That's what the motive is for godliness in our lives. See, instead of fear and pride and shame, the motivation to obey God is this. It is to demonstrate love and loyalty to the one who rescued me. That's what godliness is all about. Come on, somebody. Amen. I love him. And because I love him, I want to live for him and please him and do what's pleasing in his sight. Amen. And I want to live for God in every way. Anybody feel that way? Come on. Because of what Jesus did for me and and the debt that I feel like I owe God. Amen. I want to give my life to the Lord. And so that motivation for godliness comes from that heart of thanksgiving. The fifth thing that we need to pass on really to the next generation is honor. Isn't it? In chapter 5, verses 1 and 3, Paul uh, encouraged Timothy, he said, teach the, the people in your church or the people that are under you, he said, treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Absolute purity. So it's honoring one another the way that God honors Come on, the way that God sees us, the way that God views us, that's the way that we need to honor one another. Honor is generational. Did you know that? Honor is generational. It goes from generation to generation. Honor begins at home. The Bible, the first place that God uses the word honor is honor your father and mother. Why? Because it's right. Because I feel like it. Nope, it's just right. It's the right thing to do. Honor this, is, And he said, if you do it, you'll have a long life, and things will go well for you. And this is the first commandment with promise. Is that what the Bible teaches? And Jesus echoed that, echoed that in the Sermon of the Mount. Honor, amen, your father and mother. Here's what's important about honor to understand, amen, that many people think that, that the younger uh, people just need to honor uh, the older people, right? And, and, but here's, here's the difficult thing. Here's the problem is that when we're just demanding honor from the younger generation, and you as an adult don't honor other adults, you don't honor in marriage, you don't honor in your business, you don't honor and everything, guess what, you're teaching them to dishonor. But you can't demand from the younger people or from your children to honor and respect you if you're, not, if you're disrespectful to everybody else. If you're disrespectful to your spouse, don't expect your children to honor you. Uh-oh, right? So we gotta be careful, don't we? Why? Because be careful little eyes what you see. Remember that little song? Be careful little ears what you hear. They they pick things up. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, you don't, so why? Right? Come on. Amen. But honor is important, isn't it? Biblical honor, check this out. I mean, this this really, I had to think about this and and I I just sat back a little bit when I wrote this. Biblical honor is never bestowed on those who deserve it. Uh Uh-oh. Honor is never bestowed. Here's what it is. It's based on age and position alone. It's never bestowed on people that deserve it. Honor your father you don't understand my dad. Well, I don't have to honor because he was a dirtbag, he left me, and he did this and he did that and, and my mom, she was this and that, and I don't have to honor her. No. The Bible says honor your father and mother. The Bible teaches us to honor those in authority over us. Well, I didn't vote for them and I don't agree with them, and I think they're you know, the the you know, no, no. The Bible says it's by age and position alone. That's why we honor. Did they deserve it? No. But the Bible says we need to do that. How many know trust is earned, respect is given? We just give it. Honor is given. We give it. We give it. Respect may be earned, but trust, uh, honor is given. So we just have to give it. And so we address older people with respect, right? Is that what the Bible teaches? We address older people with respect, but you don't look down on young people with disrespect. You don't do that. You, you, you have to do, 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 teach your children to do that. You know, people who demand respect and then they ride down the road in the car and they're, you know, uh, talking bad about the police and, and authority and, and all that stuff. How many know you're just teaching disrespect in your children? I mean, you really, you're, just, you're planting that seed of disrespect in them. Anybody? Amen. I said, come on. Amen. And so that's what the Bible says. And so a culture of honor produces people who believe in the best for each other and protect each other. This is what Paul begins to teach about here in the church. When we have time to get into it, I, I need to move on. And that is, he's teaching that the culture of honor in the church. You create this culture of honor where the you, you treat the older men as fathers, the older women as mothers, the younger women as sisters, the older, or the younger uh, men as brothers. I mean, treat each other with respect and purity and, 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 and what happens is there will be no slander, there'll be no gossip, there'll be no backbiting. You won't devour one another, you won't hurt one another. Why? Because you're looking out for one another, you're protecting one another. Honor protects and watches out for other people. Come on, somebody. Well, I respect them, but you, you know, you're know you just tearing them down, and you're criticizing, and you're complaining, and you're, and you're gossiping about them. That, that's so important, isn't it, uh, that we need to create this culture of honor in our church, isn't it? Amen. And the last thing I want to share with you today is the sixth crucible thing that we need to pass on to the next generation is generosity. Generosity is so good. Amen. In chapter, one, verse, or chapter 6, verse 17 and 19, Paul says, instruct people to be rich in good deeds, especially wealthy people, he said, and be generous and willing to share He teaches principles here about those who are wealthy, not to put their trust in wealth. And he teaches people who are poor, don't uh, get to the place where you become uh, so so trapped in your poverty that you can't serve God freely in giving. How many know even in your poverty, the Bible teaches us you can be a giver? Uh Uh-oh. Amen. That's what it teaches, doesn't it? Let me just give you this principle. Contentment and generosity enable us to leave a powerful legacy for the next generation. Contentment and generosity. Not houses and land. Contentment and generosity. How many know there's a difference? There's a difference. Amen. If if you're money hungry, you're not going to leave probably a legacy for your children. Amen. You're probably going to just raise up a bunch of greedy people. Amen. So another, and here's some principles of generosity. We Move through this quickly. Some principles of generosity to teach your children or the next generation. Number one, work to give honor to the real boss. Work to give honor to the real boss. Work to give gener- generously and meet the needs of other people. Work to leave a legacy. And according to Scripture, generosity is the one of the ways that we can be a light in a dark world. Did you know that? Amen. Let your light so shine that people see your good works. They see your giving. They see your sacrifice. They see, and this isn't just money. This is your time, talent, and treasure, as we like to say. Amen. See, contentment and generosity can break poverty and greed. Hello? And how many know poverty and greed can cripple the next generation? Some of you were raised that way. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Poverty can cripple the next generation. And so can greed. Anybody? It can absolutely cripple the next generation. So that's why it's important that we teach the opposite and really the godly principles in their life, which is contentment and generosity. Amen. And so by God's grace today, by God's grace today, amen, as I, I, I wind up here. By God's grace, we want to plant and we want to develop in the next generation, in our children, in the next generation, faith, prayer, fellowship, godliness, honor, and generosity. Let me know I'm talking about. And you know, some of you are here and you say, well, I don't have a family whatever. And, and you may uh, have children of your own, may have foster children, adopted children. You might be part of mentoring people or it might be a grandparent, aunt or uncle. Amen, this applies to you today. How many believe in, and have this heart today that we want to pour in and pass on faith to the next generation, amen? How many, it's important that we, we strive and keep this in our, in our uh, kind of our, our gaze and our focus as parenting that we wanna raise up the next generation next generation for the Lord amen to teach them the ways of the Lord the truths of God and the purpose of God in their life in an early age amen can we stand our feet today amen just want to share something closing and then I want to pray amen really for all the families and marriages and and grandparents and aunts and uncles and foster parents and all those people amen that are here today that this applies to Amen. So as parents or, or a parent, um, our goal should be to pass the heritage of faith on to the next generation. Amen. This is what I want to really talk to you. It was kind of just talking to you today, really out of my heart, is pass on faith to the next generation. To raise up a generation of people who are not ignorant, but have understanding. A generation of people who are not arrogant, but have confidence in the Lord. Who are not greedy, but are generous. Who are not inward-focused, but who are kingdom-minded. Who are not full of doubts about their faith, but who are full of faith. This is our goal today, to raise up a generation, amen, that run after God, that know God and serve God amen, so that they can raise up a next generation who know God and serve God, that we can have godliness in the earth. Do you believe that's part of God's plan? Do you believe that with all your heart? And so today, I want to pray that the grace that God has given you to lead, uh, whether it's children or your parents. Parent or kids or grandkids or whatever it is, that you move in that grace and walk in that grace, that God wants to give you the understanding of, okay, what to do, what to say, how do I play my role now in this child's life or grandchild or aunt or, or niece or nephew? And, 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 you know, one of the things that's important is that we don't pass faith on, there's a good chance our children will pass on faith. They'll just pass on it. They'll overlook it. They won't, they won't get it. The Bible, I mean, statistically speaking, amen, in our culture, in our day, there's so many uh, young people that are raised in church that are what they call walking away from the faith. Think about it. How many know if we become a generational church and our heart is to reach the next generation, amen, we're, we're going to see that number turn around. We're going to see those statistics turn around. Amen, that the kids are not going to walk away from the church. They're going to actually flood the church. Amen. Just like Jesus cleansed the temple. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. Guess who came first? The young people, the children. And that's our heart. Amen. That when we do things God's way, God's going to fill our churches, our houses with hope and love and joy and peace. Amen. For the next generation that we can pass on faith to them. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Father, we just thank you for today.